Thanks for listening to Reawaken, creating community and meaningful action to shift paradigms in mental health, trauma and addiction, a podcast by The Humane Clinic. Hosted by Matt Ball and Stephanie Mitchell and produced by me, Rory Ritchie, a.k.a. Producer Dan. Incidental music by yours truly and our theme song is Hope by the talented Addo Mull. Everywhere people, in every place, all of the countries and each race need your hope. That's what this world is in need. Hope is in the water that sprouts the seed. Hope is the thing that stops you bleed. Welcome to Reawaken, where we're creating community and meaningful action to shift paradigms in mental health, trauma and addiction. I'm here with Matt. Hello. And, hi. And Rory. Hello. And we've got Suki here today. Hey, guys. <laughs> and Stephanie. And you. me. Yeah. How you Stephanie. going? I'm good. 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 So we were going to have a chat today a little bit about just listening. Yep. And about listening trains, which is something I love. You're pretty excited about I that. am really yeah, excited. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Cool. <laughs> it was an idea we came up yeah. with. Yeah. And uh, maybe we could even uh, demonstrate it during the podcast. Oh, yeah. There's four of us in the room. Yeah. We could do a listening train. Oh, my train. gosh, that would be beautiful. See how that goes. Yeah. And we're going to relate that as well to emotional CPR and we CPR, mm. which, um, you know, my thoughts around listening trains and emotional CPR support is that if we've really listened and we've really supported someone mm. by not only listening and hearing them but also offering our hearts and ourselves to them, nothing's left on the table. Mm-hmm. Nothing's left hidden. Nothing's left no. unsaid. And therefore, we don't walk away burdened by each other. Yeah. We walk away connected and revitalized and empowered by each other, which is what emotional CPR says, um, so that there's a kind of shared experience. I think we did some training recently with a big non-government organisation where people, mm. the staff were sort of saying, we can't do eCPR because we already give so much and it just feels mm. like, you know, how can we give any more? And, and I think that was real telling for us to yeah. sort of realise we didn't get across that, no, actually it's not um, burdensome if if... We're really finding a space of connection with a person um, and that I'm filled up as well kind yeah. of by the experience. And if I'm not, that I can do what we call this listening train. Yeah. I can I can find support for me um, yes. as well in that moment, either either with the person, if, it, if it's available. Yeah. You know, if there's four of us here and you're telling me something and that's a lot for me, which we're going to talk about and show in a minute, mm. I can reach out to somebody else to be included. But I suppose I was just thinking too that more broadly if we think about working with people, um, years ago, this seems so important for me to say, and it's not really on topic but I want to say it. Um, Years ago I was working um, as a therapist, well, I still am a therapist, and um, I I was kind of telling a a supervisor of mine that um, uh, I'd been really feeling quite emotional about someone I'd been working with. And I said to him, how do you not burn out? I wasn't feeling burnt out, but I was pretty distressed about the terrible things that had happened to this woman and it was a lot to sit with. And I said, how do you how do you get to a place to, you know, where, where you know that's, well, not know, but, you know, mitigate that. And he said that as the listener, as the therapist, as the supporter, as the loved one, the person who's alongside, you need the same level that you're offering them. So if you're offering real kind of connection and heartfelt listening space and a space for mm. um, care and compassion and nurture, mm. then you need that for you too. Yeah, absolutely. And I felt that that was really important in my journey. Yeah. It was Ben, ben Swift. Oh, okay, Yeah, cool. said that to me. Yeah, I just think it feels so important. Mm. 
that we because it, it, it creates mutuality at different levels, doesn't it? Mm. It says that the therapist is human. Absolutely. Just as the person seeking therapy is human. Yeah. And we don't need to be frightened of that. No. You know, it's the old story that there's a wise person mm. and an unwise person, yeah. a skillful person, an unskillful person, a, a together person and a broken person. Yeah. And they're boring old stories. Yeah, exactly. And, and I, I think this also relates to me thinking of our friend Ben about Open Dialogue, who was mm-hmm. in person involved in bringing Marku, uh, when he was with us still, uh, over from Finland to talk about Open Dialogue. And... Um, I remember one of the things I learned from the first two-day workshop in South Australia ever on open dialogue was was um, this idea that don't take content out of the room. Mm. If there's if there's stuff that needs to be said, mm. dialogism is about bringing dialogue in mm-hmm. and everybody being heard. So don't take it out of the room and then discuss it later. Mm. And that's where we get burdened, isn't it? Mm. Where so so in in just listening and the listening trains and in emotional CPR and we CPR, we're saying, let's bring it all into the into the relationship yeah. and connection, and then we don't go away burdened by it. Mm. And maybe the session needs to be a bit longer, or maybe there needs to be room for the listener to be listened to mm-hmm. uh, as well. Mm. Um, and I do. I look at the mental health system and I think. Gosh, is there sometimes those clinicians making decisions because they, they're they so overloaded and they feel not allowed to mm. break the boundaries or the rules or the roles or dis- disclose their lack of wisdom or safety in any given moment, so they make decisions. Mm. And what they might actually want to do is go, I don't really know how to help you right mm. now. And instead of putting you on a community treatment order or giving you medication, I just wonder if I could move my chair closer to you and hold hands with you, because I might feel a bit better about that. <laughs> you know, and I'm being a bit silly, but I'm also being serious. You yeah. know, I think sometimes we do these big, grand mm. gestures. To make ourselves feel to better. To make ourselves feel better. <laughs> and I think Listening Trains and We CPR invites us to say, just name that we're not feeling okay right now. Yeah. Yeah. In relationship, and how mm. can we keep talking till we get there? Mm. Um, so, what we thought we'd do is demonstrate a bit of a check-in. Mm-hmm. We've been talking about what we're going to talk about yes. today, yeah. and as always, we go on forever. <laughs> but producer Dan thought we might do something that we we often do when we do workshops, yeah. which is <laughs> which is we sit at the front and we make ourselves a little vulnerable. We do. Um, and this is a whole ever level of vulnerable, and I, I'm just noticing that in myself. Mm. It's like, oh, we're going to do the thing in front of lots of people. <laughs> yeah. Normally we know the people in the room. We can kind of see them. Yes. Mm. We don't know how people will take this. No. So I just set it up. What we're going to do is we're just going to check in with each other for yeah. a minute or two, and one of us is going to listen mm. and not interrupt and just be present. Mm-hmm. Um, and then one of us will tell how we are, and we'll pause and then we'll switch over and do yeah. it the other way. Yeah. And it's sort of a, an open dialogue-y type, just listening-y type, emotional CPR type presence. Mm. Yeah. Um, and just allowing ourselves to be vulnerable mm. about how we are right here, right now. We're recording a podcast, but actually we're also human beings. Mm. Yeah. So do you want to go first or do you want to go second? Um, I can go first, I think. Right. Um, how are you? I'm good. I think um, I had a bit of angst this morning because mm. I thought we had a meeting earlier and then when no one turned up, I got real kind of like worked up. Yeah. Like, where is everybody? And um, so I was noticing that. Um, but, I, you know, I did feel that 
when we came into the office and we were able to just talk about that and the maybe the disappointment, the misunderstandings, the frustrations that helped me settle a bit mm. and feel a bit more connected to you again. Mm. Um, and um, I think that's something, you know, I'm just noticing now um, that I appreciate about our working together and our relationship and our friendship as we can do that. Mm. Um, I'm also sitting with, if I'm thinking about where am I at kind of in my life and broadly, I'm aware that, you know, in the nature of vulnerability, I'm, my husband and I are, are beautifully navigating some difficulties in our relationship and it's lovely and terrible and painful and, and hopeful. And um, so that just feels like worth mentioning if we're saying where we are. It's like, oh, that's there. And, and um, it's been a long time coming. We've been married 30 years. So, um, you know, you have the same old fight every year for 30 years or every however long. Um, so it's been nice to sort of go like, oh, we're going to do this again. Great. Okay, let's do it a bit differently. And we are. So that feels really nice and also painful. Mm. There's a reason you go around those things for 30 years. Mm. Um, and I, you know, just feel pretty hopeful about our work. That's probably the other thing I'm sitting with at the moment is I'm feeling, I've just come back from Italy, I've done mm. some training, it feels really hopeful, I'm feeling like there's a shift in my client work. And so that's broadly where I am. Yeah. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you. And I suppose for the purpose of the podcast, you know, we wouldn't normally comment on mm. things, the idea is not to, but I, I do just want to share how... Um, Yeah, just what a privilege that felt to mm. have you just say, mm -hmm. really unadulteratedly just say, this is where I'm at right now. Mm -hmm. And it just made me think, gosh, how rarely do we have those conversations? Mm. Um, so thanks for sharing with oh, us all. Thanks for the acknowledgement. Mm. So maybe I'll just tell you where I am. Mm. Um, look, it's been a, a challenging six weeks. I've been interstate half a dozen times and internationally once. Um, Stood on stage a lot of times and said a lot of big things mm. and sort of, I suppose, been reflecting a lot on why people pay me to stand on stage and say things that afterwards they say, oh, yeah, we really love that you say that mm. and we really agree with you. And I think, gosh, why don't you stand on stage and say it as well? Like, not in a negative way, yeah. but just, wow, I wonder why... I wonder what it is about me that sets myself up to stand on stage mm -hmm. and say things. So that's been a lot around. And, and, and um, I think that has an impact in my life at home, mm. in, my, in my family life. And then this morning, just this morning, I went out for coffee with my amazing wife. And I went for a run this morning and played with two of my kids that were up really early. And we, we just hugged and we were talking about what it was like to smell like you've just woken up. You know, like you look and feel and smell sleepy. And you kind of, it's one of those beautiful things that you rarely get to do with anyone because it's very private and exposing of mm. a human being to be in your natural states. Mm -hmm. But you can kind of do it with little kids because they haven't got all these social norms of, like one of my little girls, she was just unmoved by me saying she smelt of just waking up you know and it was kind of she wasn't seeing that as an insult or a derogatory <laughs> statement and I didn't mean it as such I was just noticing oh, that's what you smell like when you wake up um and she said oh and you smell like you've just woken up you know and because it was a little kid saying it to me anyway then I went out for breakfast with my wife and we just had this 
really beautiful moment of acknowledging where each other are at the moment and that she'd been having some dreams about how I was mm. and how busy I was and how hard I worked and how we worked. Mm. And I was having, I was sharing with her how I was fearing being a bit disconnected after how busy I'd been and wondering where that put me in the family. So really human stuff. I felt so grateful to her afterwards. Mm. You know? And then I came in here and as you say, we had a misunderstanding. And I think that when we started our work together two years ago in this business, that misunderstanding would have got bigger and bigger on us. Mm. And today I just noticed that we were able to have a pretty frank conversation, mm. not agree on everything, but also just feel that was quite productive mm. and quite nice. Yeah. And now we're sitting here doing a podcast and I feel I feel quite alive right now. Mm. Yeah, it feels good. Yeah, it does. Yeah. Yeah. So that's where I'm at. Yeah. Oh, looking forward to Christmas. Are you? Not because I really believe in Christmas, mm. but because I'm going to Bali. <laughs> And I'm going to sit by a swimming pool and read a book, which I never do. Nice. It's the sort of thing I hate doing, yeah. but I secretly romanticise being the perfect thing to do. So I'm going to try and do that. <laughs> I'm loving that. Good. I want photos of by the pool, pool with your book. Yeah. yeah. I'm going to try and read a non-intellectual-based book. Uh, non-therapy book? Non-therapy, okay. non-mental health, non-philosophy. Gosh. Something really trash. Okay, huge. Yeah, <laughs> like a Ben Elton. <laughs> I mean, I know it's got sort of pseudo-political undertones, but let's be honest about it. There's nothing political about Ben Elton's work anymore. It's, it's not like the 70s and 80s where he stood for something. And on the day of the British general election, where we're about to see a bloody neoliberal conservative landslide over a formerly communist left-wing Labour government, who knows where we stand? And mm. goodness me, we could do with Ben Elton standing up seriously as a politician, but he doesn't. Mm. Anyway, slightly gone off topic. Thank you, Matt. Yeah, that that's how I feel. Very impassioned. Yeah. yeah, no worries. So, where are we? Where are we up to then? We. This is what we do. We talk about we how do. we feel. We do. We spend a lot of time talking about how we feel, yeah. and I think that it's kind of one of the most important things in. Um, what we teach people as far as what you can take into your home life, your your mm, work life, mm. your personal life, but also in the therapy space. Mm, um, mm. And I think it's one of the things that's been really important in when we have people in the clinic, you know, students or people mm. we've brought on kind of two new staff really. Mm. Um, and so, you know, those open dialogue spaces, those spaces of being genuinely kind yeah. of... Um, reflecting on what's here for each of us is important. And I, and I want to say that, you know, it strikes me as you're saying that I've worked in what we call addiction and I've worked in trauma, mm -hmm. what we call trauma, and I've worked in mental health. And one of the things that strikes me is what you're saying, we teach people this as in professionals in this mm -hmm. field. Yeah. One of the things that strikes me is how naturally skillful people are mm. in environments of mental health, trauma and addiction yeah. in having more genuineness in relationship What's, and conversation. Um, I love you saying that because what we got, we just taught in Tasmania recently mm. and what was the, the highest, sort of like the loudest feedback in the room after the three days yeah. was people saying, we are just so grateful for the permission to do the thing we know we always wanted to do and we're good at yeah. and we feel like we can't do. And so you're right, we don't teach anything. And most of the people that said that were talking about people they'd lost to suicide mm. or people in their family who'd been labelled as mentally ill. Mm. So they were inherently talking from their hearts mm. 
and then you go into the professional environment and you can't do that. Yeah. So I, I remember working in addiction services in the UK and one of the most joyous experiences of working with people who were said to be addicted to heroin and, and were clearly using a lot of gear and it was causing a lot of problems in their lives was I, I used to love sitting around in those environments and just hearing people talk. Mm. And yeah, there was bravado, there was defences, mm. there was... Tent- but there was also people talking deeply, mm. deeply from their hearts yeah. about the pains of their lives. And it was all the mental health, addiction, trauma stuff, but it was life. Mm-hmm. And then they came into, the, men- they came into the, the, the services we offered and there was this kind of responsibility of the professional and then of the client to talk in a different way. Mm-hmm. It never made any sense to me. <laughs> Don't sit in people's houses and they'll just talk normally. Yeah. Bring them to the system. And they'll have to do something else. Mm. So I think what we're teaching with just listening, with emotional CPR, with open dialogue, with dissociocratic, with IFS, with whatever it is we're trying to offer, human-to-human relationship stuff, humane approaches, is perhaps just inviting people to go back to their natural state Mm. and inviting professionals to get out the way, move out the way, you know, allow people to be the wonderful selves that they are or something. Yeah. So... So I'm mindful of time, and I don't know where yep. we are. We're um, probably approaching a break. Do you okay. want to, what were you going to? I was just going to say, we do want to talk about listening trends because we haven't explained that yet, and we keep talking about oh, it. Oh, yes. So we touched on this in a former podcast. Just listening is justice in listening, witnessing, and hearing the story of another. Mm. It's, it's about um, listening with all that I am, everything mm-hmm. that I've got to be present for this person. And, uh, you know, we may or may not offer something back to them, verbally or gesturally but offering ourselves Mm. as the main component of listening Mm. we are offering justice by me witnessing you which is what we demonstrated Mm -hmm. both ways we're talking about ecpr which is about saying if if your or my heart is not operating at its fullest and not full and feeling well somebody else's heart can be offered Mm -hmm. to allow my heart to feel fuller and more connected more powerful more empowered and then revitalized Mm -hmm. more energized Mm. And, and so what we're talking about in eCPR and just listening are these two different approaches that say that if I just offer me in that mm. moment, then that is enough to that other person. And if I genuinely offer me, and we can talk about the listening trends after the break mm. maybe, but if I genuinely offer me, I also don't walk away feeling like I've had to take on somebody else's yeah, stuff. Is that that's right? that's right. I I'm not burdened by that. Yeah, Mm. and I think there's something that in the emotional CPR training, there's an image, and I'm going to try and describe it in words here, Mm. where um, you come to me, for instance, in distress, and as you're you're showing me your heart, which is hurting, and I let myself feel that in my heart. It's like if I can imagine, if I can ask listeners to kind of imagine an arrow from your heart, kind of coming towards me. Mm. and I let it go from where I hear it in my ears down into my heart. Mm. And then what I offer back is an arrow from my heart over to you through your ears down into your heart. But then this is the magic of it, Matt, is that then you offer, you're now not just speaking from your you know, from your mouth about the brokenness of your heart or whatever. You, you're now coming again from your heart and that eventually... This kind of circle, if people, mm. the listeners can imagine the kind of the circular space of these arrows that go round and round from my heart to your heart to your heart to my heart, 
backwards and forwards. Yeah. That's what we're describing as revitalizing. Yeah. It's not burdensome at all because actually... There's a flow. There's a flow and it's it's heartfelt. I'm legitimately being with my experience in response to your experience and then what you come back to me with might for a period be still a lot of pain from your heart because you're being mm. heard. Mm. It's like here you're saying to me, here's my heart, it's really in a lot of pain and as I'm going, I'm getting that. I can hear that. I'm willing to be with it. This is how it is for me to hear that. I'm really feeling the depth of it and maybe I'm offering some sense of, um, gosh, that feels like a lot, you know. Mm. Then in that moment you might you might initially tell me more of the difficulty but eventually what will happen and this is what we talk about in ECPR is you'll eventually start to speak about a different experience of maybe feeling my heart touching yours you'll start to sort of say, oh, just you listening, I'm just, my heart's not quite so heavy. Yeah. And then there's this shift in the space where through me somehow offering you that, mutually we're both enlivened at the end. Uh, yeah, and I, I really, I, I could visualise that. Yeah. I've seen the images, but I hope others can kind of get that sense of flowing mm. between the hearts, yeah. you know. And I, and I suppose what really I want to just make the point then that you talked about you in your beautiful relationship working through as you're more able, you and your husband, to mm. expose your heart. My wife and I this morning were connecting deeply by sharing our hearts with each other. What we're saying is that happens in the mental health space. Mm. But look, it happens in your life. Mm -hmm. It happens in my life. Mm. So this isn't some wacky mental health intervention that's only for a person in mental distress no. that comes to a system. This is about our whole communities mm. being available to offer this to one another. And it goes back to the conversations we had about suicide. Find the person that can share their heart with you mm. to talk yeah. about suicide, not necessarily somebody that you've been told to go to. Mm. So I just really want to accentuate what you've described is something that happens and can happen in all of our lives at any time. But yeah, and I think that it's just worth mentioning because I know I do say this a lot, but that we have become expertised. Somehow we've yes. been told we can't do that. We can't sit with someone from our heart because, and only an expert can do that. Mm. So I'm just wanting to really follow up on what you're saying by, yeah, let's go back to what we know. Yeah, absolutely. I love that expert thing. So I had this image while you were saying that of <clears throat> the person seeking to express their heart and the expert only offering their head. Yeah. And then intellectual yeah. professionalism. So it's a rather than this connection and the the flow where two hearts are connected, you have one person who's speaking from the heart and another person with authority and professionalism and yeah. expertise trying trying to connect through the head and that the, the flow inherently doesn't work. It needs to yeah. be heart to heart. That's right. And I think just I know we have to go to the break, but just to say that it feels important for me to just say that doesn't mean that ECPR is gushy and all we do mm. is lovey dovey. Yeah. Because sometimes what I'm what's up for me is is something really powerful and I'm, I might share that with you and that may be the thing mm. that's important. But and and just then to say we're going to go on and on with just then, aren't we? Yeah. You know. Just one more. But but just one more, just one more. <laughs> but but to say in that space, I think it's important that if you're bringing up difficult stuff that's not gushy and lovely, the, the non burden of it is that I can also say, whoa, when when you say that really agitated stuff god i know that feels really uncomfortable in me yeah. so i don't need to take it from you and no. not be allowed to express yeah. it this isn't about me only saying oh that's nice mm. you're a lovely person mm. it's about saying wow i can feel what you're saying and i'm going to let you know 
that I can feel that's that. Right. And then you can do the same to me, and we can. And that's where the burden doesn't happen, isn't that's it? Right. Whatever about, comes up. It's about validating, isn't it? Like mm. your experience is real and it's happening for you. Yeah. And I can feel that. Yeah, that's yeah. right. But you don't need to take it on, right? right? That's right. Mm. Yeah. Because you can tell me that you can feel it. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Oh, it's exciting. It is very exciting. We do. We get very (laughs) impassioned. Yeah. All right. Let's go to a break. You've been listening to Reawaken. And uh, we'll come back after the break with uh, Stephanie, producer Dan, also known as Rory, and uh, Suki. And uh, we'll we'll carry on with a bit more detail about listening trends. Great. See ya. Welcome back to Reawaken, creating community and meaningful action and shifting paradigms in mental health, trauma and addiction. I'm here with Stephanie Still. Hello. Rory. Hello. Suki. Hi. I'm Matt. Hi. We're just going to carry on and, and bring this podcast second half to a, to a, a shuddering halt, <laughs> which is a pun because we're going to talk about trains, <laughs> listening trains. Uh, yeah, that was awful. Um, that was great. <laughs> um, so we want to talk about listening trains and yeah. why listening and deeply being connected isn't a burden to the listener mm. so long as you see through the journey mm. of mutuality. Mm. And I think, too, one of the things we talked about, we were just talking about setting up an emergency department alternative where there would be some sort of like volunteers hanging around. If someone was in distress, they could come. And as we were doing that... Um, I think you were the one who came up with this idea that if if I was listening to you speaking about something mm. and I was finding it a bit overwhelming for me, mm. that I might bring, bring in an extra person to listen to me. Yeah. But that that wouldn't be done as an aside where I say, hold a second, Matt, I'll be back in a minute, and then I go and grab Rory and say, Rory, I'm really overwhelmed, I don't know what to do. And Rory says either say this and this and then I have to come back and see you or Rory says, don't you worry, I'll take care of it now. Yeah, that's right. That, which is kind of like our professional way often. That's that expertising that you're exactly. talking about. Yeah. yeah. Um, that and, I, and sorry, and it takes away from the person whose story it is. Yeah, that's right. That I can legitimately say, gosh, this, this feels a lot to me, Matt. Mm. What are you saying to me? Just I'm really feeling that in my heart, you know. And um, I'm just really feeling like I might need some, some might be great to bring someone else in to oh, hear because yeah. it feels so big, you know. Yeah. And then I might bring Rory in and Rory would speak to me. I would speak to Rory about what was going on in my heart. But I'd get to listen, right? Oh, yeah, you'd be right here. Mm. Yeah. And so then as I speak to Rory about this thing that's arising in me and he speaks to me, then there would be some sense of maybe I would feel some sense of less feeling less burdened or less overwhelmed or feeling more connected, heard, heard. more connected to myself so I'm not so uh, frightened or whatever yeah. was going on for me then I can turn back to you and continue yeah. to speak to you yeah beautiful beautiful and 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 I think what what we would then say is that if Rory was feeling overwhelmed by what you were saying mm. or what you were asking of him he could then in front of you and in front of me turn to Suki Mm. And Suki could be the listener. Suki could just listen to Rory. Mm. Um, Suki could offer that kind of emotional connection Mm. space from her heart there. So then you've got you listening to me, Mm -hmm. Rory listening to you, Mm. Suki listening to Rory, and all of us are present, right? Yeah. And I think we noticed this a little bit in open dialogue. We don't do a, a, a listening train, but you just sparked my thinking to kind of feel like at that moment, 
the person coming is not the person with the problem. No. It hasn't been, oh, Rory, I've got to bring you in. This person's a problem. Can you help me? It's, oh, I've got a problem. Whoa. This person's come to me with their problem. Now I, I'm sharing that. I'm feeling something. Could you help me with my part of that? Yeah, lovely. Because actually this is, you know, like it, maybe if it had been Josie and, and Matt was talking to Josie, Josie would have been fine with it. But I'm having a bit of a problem. Yeah, lovely. And that's about me, not God, about Matt. It really validates all of you, doesn't it? Yeah. You know, if you're going to help me, I want you to feel full. Mm. I want you to feel whole. I want you to feel that all parts of you are valid in helping me. Yeah. So you might need to ask someone else to yeah. help you with that. Yeah. And then Rory might need to do the same to Suki. And then we, and, and, and look at this, we're sitting in a room, we're all together. Mm, that's There's right. no, no hiding here. Yeah. There's not one person in the room with a problem. No. other people that are burdened by that problem. Yep. We're all in a situation together, exploring it. and That's right. And, and to me, it feels like that's what community is. Mm. It's about community being able to hear everything of each other. Go on, Suki. Yeah. This image comes up for me of, like, someone with this burden on their shoulders. It's really big and heavy. But if I give, like, some of it to you and then we sort of divvy it up, yeah. it's a lot easier to hold that. Yeah. 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 And I, I kind of got this fantasy that in an ED alternative you could have, like, 10 or 15 people in this chain hmm. you know and, and, and so the whole place is dealing with the problems of a society and a community and as you say that the burden has been divvied up yeah. and everybody can be honest here mm. because there's such a beautiful big train mm. that we can just keep pulling people in to share the load and that way we can i mean you know i realize it could be daunting and you check in with the person yeah. at, the, at the start but you know, maybe, wow, look at all these people that care about us in here right now Yeah. and think, want to share. I think when you have that connection from the heart, a lot of times you get a bit, you know, you say you, you kind of get stuck when when you start thinking about stuff too much, mm. intellectualising it or mm. Trying, mm. trying to fix things or solve that problem. But, yeah. but when you just stay in the heart, there's that, that flow of energy continuing and it's just... Yeah. I, I think that's important because I think it's when we move away from our heart that we get burdened intellectually. Oh, I find that all the time. When yeah. I first learned ECPR, I found it really difficult because mm. I'm so, you know, I've got some great, I've been trained as a therapist. I've got some great therapy ideas in my head. <laughs> yeah. I know how yep. to do that stuff. Yeah, I know that one. <laughs> yeah. And, um, and so, yeah, I was sort of really noticing that, what am I trying to do right now with this person? Mm. Like I'm trying to do something rather than being with them. Yeah, yeah lovely. And so it's like, mm, how do I dip down into how am I feeling right now? What am I noticing about this experience right now? I'm trying to be helpful and I can see it's not really helping the person because it's um, problem solving. And yeah. they're, they're probably smart enough to solve the problem if it was something you could rationalise. What they need is me to be alongside them in listening to their experience until they can make sense of it yeah. until they can feel yeah. yeah safe enough with it mm. and i think in from an ecpr from an emotional cpr point of view the listening train looks a lot like we cpr mm. where we come together as a community and we just share you know probably in a slightly less intentional tra train type way but we just share all of what's coming up and bounce that around between mm. us from our hearts mm. and i think i think it's such an important subject to know that the narrative that by listening to others we're inherently going to be wounded or overwhelmed is not always true. If, as you said earlier, we're getting enough of what we're offering to someone else. Yeah. Now that can look like classic supervision or, or whatever it does in the professional world. But if we're offering ECPR or just listening in our communities, in our homes, in our families, in our community centres, in our sports clubs, 
we just need to make sure that everybody's sharing that out. I think too, you know, there's one thing I do want to say because I know we have to wrap up soon, mm. but I think too, if I'm burdened by somebody's experience, then I, what we don't talk about in professional services is the fact that that is about me at that moment, okay? <laughs> and what have I not seen in myself what what am, what have i what am i disowning in my experience yeah. that mirror this person's mirroring to me and yeah. so in my mind the more we can be with in our own experience the more you know in my words in the more work more you know the more that the therapist mm. does their own therapy the more they go through their own healing journey then yeah. the more we're capable of being with and i suppose yeah. i just yeah. think it's really worth saying yes we need to have Nurture. If we're offering nurture and care, we also need to get that from people. Yep. But not at the not also denying the fact that we need to also look at what is difficult about this situation for me. Yeah, yeah. So, you know, if I think about the example where that guy said to me, "Get as much nurture as you need," I remember also seeing you for supervision, Matt, and um, was saying, "I don't know why I'm crying about this client. I've heard this story a lot of times, but today it's impacting me." And you kind of saying, "Well, it makes a lot of sense to me that you would cry. This is a very cry-worthy situation. <laughs> yeah. It was a pretty horrible story." And then as we unpacked it, I was able to talk about, you know, like I definitely have some beliefs about, you know, um, or some, some burdens maybe around feeling like there's a lot of bad stuff that happens in the world and I'm supposed to somehow try and fix it. Yeah. So that was part of my work then to yeah. do. It's not about my client at that point. It was about something that I was holding on to still. Yeah. Um, so just I think that's also important to just say in there. Yeah. Yeah, no, that feels really valuable. There was something in there that, that really jumped out of me and then it hit again, and, <laughs> uh, which is kind of <laughs> what you're talking about, really. What's hiding? What's what's lurking? Oh, I'll tell you what it was when you talked about disowning something. Yeah. And it reminded me of Helen Sidra Stone's work, mm -hmm. The Theory of yeah. Selves. You know, if we can capture when we're disowning something yeah. because it's unbearable, well, that's what we can bring in. No, we don't burden the other person with it. We don't tell the person we're supporting, oh, my God, I just had to disown this part of myself because it's unbearable. But we, we can notice, oh, in ECPR at least, we could definitely be saying, wow, I notice a real discomfort around for me right now. And that might actually be relative to what the person's telling you. So we're noticing what's happening in mm. us and we're bringing it back into the relationship. Yeah. And, it's, and I think that's beautiful. If we start to notice something in ourselves, oftentimes when... Um, we've been doing eCPR, um, you might bring that in or I might bring that in. And sometimes it's like, that's exactly how I feel. Mm. When you kind of say, I feel pretty overwhelmed, the person goes, yeah, so do I. Yeah. You know, and sometimes they don't. They go, no, no I don't feel overwhelmed. I feel scared or whatever. Well, and we can then look and at that. And then it's beautiful right. because yeah, they're right. clarifying. Yeah, their voice is heard. Yeah. 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 Well, look, we ought to wrap up, aren't we? we I'm really glad we did this. This was your idea to do this podcast and I'm really <laughs> glad we on there um producer dan any any final thoughts no not at all really enjoyed this one yeah thanks suki no it's just wonderful yeah yeah, yeah. Great. great steph anything no it's been great thanks very much matt and thanks everyone yeah thanks to everyone and um we'll see you again on reawaken creating community and meaningful action to shift paradigms in mental health trauma and addiction Everywhere people, in every place, 
All of the countries and each race need your hope. That's what this world is in need. Hope is in the water that sprouts the seed. Hope is the thing that stops you bleed. Hope is the irie in the weed. So give hope and live hope. And when your kids are hungry, feed them hope. If the system bleeds you dry, have hope. If the situation makes you cry, have hope. Cause now it's time to dry your eyes and hope that that'll keep your dreams alive. I hope that you hope. Cause everyone's future is resting on your hope Can take the worst thing and turn it around Hope can find the loss that was not to be found Hope can make the loser them start gaining ground and Hope can turn your pennies right back into pounds Cause hope can be rebuilt even when it's been killed And if you believe, your hope will be fulfilled But people lie, just to raise your hope Just to make you think that they're helping you cope They're selling you eggs without no yolk They're wearing you down until your will is broke This ain't real hope, they don't feel hope They real hope and deal hope and turn it into false hope Then we give up on this world like it's a sinking boat We let each other drown instead of flinging the rope We're turning the place into some kind of joke But we can't laugh, we can't lose hope In these times while they commit these crimes Because there's nothing else out here keeping us afloat Hope is elusive, a glint in the eye That something is exclusive, a thing they can buy Or make excuses, they just sit and ask why Our mistakes are conclusive, hope will just die But I wouldn't lie, singing all lullaby Give hope a try, and hope gets high You'll be bereaved, but you'll also receive Have hope, can be deceived, you've just got to believe And hope, don't let it leave, or ever receive Just hope, and then one day, you're going to succeed You can't live without hope, don't go without hope Don't doubt hope, will keep you warm when you're shivering with cold Young when you're tired and old Hope can make a bright man hearty and bold And hope can find the truth that has never been told Cause some people take hope and some people fake hope But you are the people, you people here You're the ones that I feel are sincere You're raising my hope, will hold your hand when you feel insecure Hope will find a way through any long door Hope will give you guidance when you're feeling unsure Make a point to the wise even when there's a flaw